Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we have back Dr. Zahir Murhi, who you guys heard last week is a very, um, I will say charismatic, very funny. We like literally, none of us wanted our session to end, but he is a board certified fertility doctor and also serves as the director of research and development in IVF at New Hope Fertility in New York City. In episode one, we learned all about IVF 101. This episode, we are really delving into all of the different techniques and technology and really just cutting edge stuff, stuff that that is actually getting researched right now, new possibilities that Dr. Murphy is is very much a part of um, pushing forward. So it's really, really exciting. You know what I think is really cool about him? Sometimes when you speak to clinicians, it's it's so cerebral for them and it's so scientific and it's such a passion, but it's, it's hard to make it human and it's hard to make it so personal and personable. And he just has this wonderful way of speaking about these very cutting edge. I mean, really cool that he's doing all this research. Really cool. Also, it sounds like that he works so collaboratively with his patients to like learn from them and piece together things they're thinking about and encourage them to to share their stories in a way that will really help to advance this field. Because, you know, for the longest time, there was one really straightforward but really invasive approach to IVF. And he and his practice are really developing quite a number of surrounding and auxiliary services that can not only help the woman's health herself and, and like rejuvenate the eggs or rejuvenate the ovaries or make the womb a more fertile place, the whole thing, but also potentially do it in a way that doesn't involve you going to get shots in an office every week for, you know, a bunch of months. So it's, um, he, he seems to have like the human at the heart of his practice at all times, which is part of why we love him. Mm-hmm. Also, we learn so much and he is just like so entertaining. You're not even going to remember that you're learning about IVF while, while you're listening to Dr. Zahir Murray. This is a so my name is Dr. Zahir Murhi. I am a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. My office is in Manhattan and Columbus Circle. The practice is called New Hope Fertility Center. I am a father of two boys. Ryan is 13 years old, going through bad puberty, and Adam is 11 years old. And I love my boys and my dog, Kobe. He's my favorite. Uh, he's two years old and he sleeps with me every night. I literally feel like we're just going to continue a sentence from from before. So we were talking about all your like treatments and all the different things that you can experience while you're having your IVF thing. That sounds like somewhat, I don't want to call it a spa treatment, but there, it just sounds nice and amazing. It is. It is. It's really, you know, it's a very rewarding job, honestly. Uh, and I, I really love my job. And a lot of time I get attached to my patients because you're helping them have a baby and, you know, I get Christmas cards every year and, and saying, oh, thank you, you give me a baby. Like what, what kind of, you know, it's, it's really happiness I cannot explain. 
And actually, they send me pictures of the kids and the children, and I put them on the wall in my house. So I have a wall full of pictures of the babies. Of the babies. That's, the, oh, know, that's amazing. I know. So let's go back because I think part one of this conversation was really like IVF 101. If you've ever been curious about it, if you've ever thought about it, if you've ever been you know sort of confused about what it entailed, we really covered all the details. So those of you listening who are still curious about that, probably need to go listen to part one of this conversation. Part two is going to be more of like you, I mean, you're just so knowledgeable at everything, more of the cutting edge stuff, because I think that that's really what your outfit specializes in and is so prized for is that you really are on this cutting edge of what does it mean to be able to, um, you know, bring fertility to challenging situations and to do it in a really as non-invasive way as possible, which is actually fascinatingly sometimes with better results. So um, I guess we got cut off at non-invasive chromosomal screening. Is that right? Am I like looking at this? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the non-invasive chromosomal screening or next is the following. Let's say Daphne has three boys and now she wants to have a girl. And now she comes to my office and tell me, Dr. Murray, I want to have a boy. Now what we're going to do is we're going to do something called IVF. We suck the eggs, add your husband's sperm, and then we make embryos, right? Sperm and egg make an embryo. It takes around a week to make an embryo. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, in the last few years, more and more centers are testing the embryos, not just for the gender, but also for chromosomal screening. You don't want to have, worry about having a Down syndrome baby and then do amniocentesis later on or have a miscarriage. And then what most centers do, they take a piece of your embryo mm-hmm. and then freeze the embryo and they test this piece for the chromosome because it's coming from the embryo. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. With the next or non-invasive chromosome screening, we take the fluid around your embryo where it's growing, just the fluid water, and we test that fluid for the DNA without taking a piece of your embryo. Oh, wow. wow. We're the only place that has this technology. And I can tell you a lot of people come to us because they were like, you know, I don't know if the biopsy of my embryo is hurting right. my baby. And I don't want cells taken out of my, my future baby, you know, taken right. out to be tested. So that's, that's the next or non-invasive chromosomal screening. I can tell you, I love it because it doesn't put stress on your embryo. If you see how an embryo biopsy is done, the embryo is stretched like this and then, pum, a piece snaps out. It's, it's a little bit, it's aggressive. So the next, I think, presents a lot of things. And then you can test also if it's a boy or a girl, and then you can have your boy. If you want just gender selection, yeah. Fascinating. Because the embryo sends DNA where it's growing. Remember, we put it in a culture dish and over a week after we add the sperm and egg, over this growth, a lot of the DNA is thrown in that fluid. So that's how we do it. So that's, I think, is cutting edge technology and we're very proud to have it at New Hope Fertility Center. Why is it only you guys that have this uh, technology? You know, other centers have done it for research and stuff, but they did not get a, a good... Uh, results mm. because when we started this technology uh, i can't tell you my secret sauce by the way or i have to ah, oh no <laughs> i was waiting but before we offered it to patients you have to test it right you have to do on the same embryo both technologies the old uh. one and the fluid and we got 99.9 percent correlation wow other places they got 60 80 percent max and so it's the, the, their lab hasn't really, you know, got the, as good results, if I want to say it. That's why mm-hmm. it's not. So 
we have great technology, we have a great lab, and that's why we have a 99.9% correlation between both. Understood. That's okay. amazing. So we talked before about the needle-free IVF where mm-hmm. you take pills instead of injections, correct? Correct. Pills and patches and, and everything, right. correct? There's no patches. There's pills by mouth, by vagina, and nasal spray. Oh, nasal spray. Interesting. Correct. Is it just as effective? So we have to be very careful because... If someone is young and they have a lot of eggs, it's not. It's less effective. Why? Because the, the shots are more aggressive food for the eggs. Mm-hmm. And younger patients have a lot of eggs to feed. So they need more food. So the pills is not enough. They need an addition to it shots. But women 35 years and above, it's as effective as the old conventional IVF where patients take plenty of shots. Huh, that's so interesting. And like I told you, I have a patient, her name is Omolola. She wants to talk about her experience about the home IVF because she, we, get, we sent her a kid to the house, no shots, just pills and nasal spray. And then we got a lot of eggs and she made four embryos. And that's, that's a lot. I mean, it's, this is very, very good. So um, yeah, it's effective. And then and how long can you freeze embryos for? 25 years. So it's good and bad. Okay. And this is a great question. Let me tell you why it's good and let me tell you why it's bad. It's good because nowadays some countries or some doctors are struggling with patients. Let's say you come to me 10 years ago, you froze your eggs and you were 40. Now you come to me after 10 years, now you're 50 years old. And you tell me, Dr. Murphy, I want to get pregnant with my own eggs that I froze 10 years ago. Some doctors have issues with that because now they think, well, what if something happens to you? Now you have diabetes and, you know, so we're going to be stuck in situations where I actually have a patient. I was doing a patient from Norway. She froze her eggs in Copenhagen 10, 15 years ago. Now she's 51. And they said, we cannot use your eggs because getting you pregnant at this age is dangerous. Wow. But that exactly. So, I mean, I, I love the fact they're 25 years, but really also... Having siblings 25 years apart is weird. Let's say you do IVF today, you get pregnant, and then 25 years, you're like, oh, my, my, my brother is 25 years older. So there is a lot of things. But last, last part, which is the not great thing about freezing for 25 years, is that there is a lot of abandoned embryos. What am I going to do with them? Right. I mean, some clinics in this country has around 14% of their embryos abandoned. Couple who left those embryos and are gone, and they're not paying their freezing fees because wow. they, finished their, they finished their family. So that's why when you go back to the conventional IVF, when you tell me, oh, I get tons of eggs, but guess what? You're getting tons of embryos too that you're going to be stuck with for the rest right. of your life. So right. I want patients to think that, yes, home IVF or gentle IVF or needle-free IVF, it's good, effective, and you're not going to be stuck in a situation where you're going to pay freezing fees for 25 years for embryos that you might or might not need. Right. A lot of my consultations are patients who finish their family and they just want to talk to me about what to do with their embryo. And I don't know what to say. What are the different options? Throw it out, mm-hmm. give it to another couple, or give it for research. But it's hard too. You know, it's not easy. You know, I have a patient, she took the eggs, the embryos to her freezer in the kitchen and put them because she doesn't want to pay freezing fees. And psychologically, they are in her freezer. I swear. Wow. I know. 
it's funny, but it's sad at the same no, time. No, it's so sad. And there's so many emotionally competing things feeling right. about, you know, what to do with these. The embryos are frozen at minus 300 degrees. Her fridge is... So not your, not your kitchen freezer. freezer. is like, what, <laughs> four degrees minus two, zero. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. they're going to thaw and die right away. But psychologically, what I'm trying to say, and back to your question is, it's great, but also everything that's great has negative things that comes with it. Right. Well, it sounds like the the more gentle approach is is less is less wasteful. Yes. Unless you tell me, Doctor Murphy, I want to have seven children, and I know for sure, and my husband is also on the same page. Then come. But you know what I mean. Like otherwise, gentle IVF is more than enough if you want to have one or two kids. And I think the majority of people in the pandemic right now want to have don't want to have more than two kids. Let's be honest. I mean, they're expensive children. Well, they're probably going to come out of the, the pandemic with more than two kids because everybody doesn't have a lot to do other than, you know. Yes and no. That's true. Actually, it's interesting <laughs> you're saying that because I was reading a report that unlike the pandemic that happened in 1918, where there was a baby booms nine months after the pandemic, mm-hmm. this doesn't seem the same for some reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see in nine months. I might be wrong. One of the last things that you left us with was we didn't have time to talk about ozone sauna therapy. But there's a lot to talk about. I know. We might I have to, to have know part about. three, part four, and then Excellent. I'll be partner Fantastic. with you on the show. Then I quit my job. Fantastic. There you go. <laughs> no, then the women of New York would come and hunt us down and exactly. tell us if we take it away. I have to tell you my dream, and, and this is a side note, is to have a fertility show. It's like a reality show, but at the same time, you know, educational, because there's a lot of wrong information online that people read. And, you know, I think it helps, you know, and there is no shows like that. So maybe we can do one one day, three of us. Count me in. And I feel like if anyone needs to have one, it it needs to be you, because I feel like most people who have your job are are simply scientists with scientific very stoic right. behavior, whereas you are I know, you have more energy I, and pizzazz. <laughs> and another thing I like about the TV is when I do TV shows, they put makeup and I really love the makeup. Is that weird? <laughs> Not at all. I do too. I'm right I there really with you. Do. Like, you know, trust me, I tell <laughs> my people, I'm gonna, I might switch to a girl or I want to be a woman in the next life because I'm straight in this life. Uh, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. But it's fun, makeup and all that. Like, you know, it's just like you feel important. See, women, we're geniuses. We get it. People are like, they complain about it, but it's also really, really fun. It's like playing dress up every day. <laughs> That's true. All right, ozone sauna therapy. What is this? I'm still, I'm like, I've been like losing sleep. What is ozone sauna therapy? So it's a machine you sit in naked and you it covers you naked. And then you also put a small hose, like an inch, that also in the vagina yourself, that blows ozone. So the ozone, you're going to be through your skin, going to be absorbed. And also in the vagina, it's going to be absorbed to the uterus and ovaries. Now that's done for women who have poor egg quality or they are advanced in their age. Why? Aging is an inflammatory process. Okay. Everything is inflammation. Think about it this way. Why we have arthritis as we get older? because you have more inflammation in the knees and joints. Why we have heart disease? Because it's inflammation. Obesity is inflammatory status. So the ovaries also have inflammation increases Mm -hmm. as women get older. And to fight aging is fighting, partly fighting inflammation. And ozone is a very powerful anti-inflammatory agent. 
it's a very powerful antioxidant agent. And also, when you sit in the machine, it's actually very relaxing. It's like a hot a steaming room. You sweat. And now the third mechanism is it increases blood flow. So now through the skin, it increases blood flow and going more into your body. And through the vagina, it's sending, increasing blood flow to the uterus and the ovaries. And it's a powerful anti-inflammatory, lowering the inflammation in the, in the pelvic areas, in the ovary and uterus. So that's why women, for example, who have endometriosis, which is an inflammatory process, might be a great candidate. Women who have arthritis might be a great candidate because those inflammatory processes might also affect their ovarian function and their egg quality. Eggs don't like inflammation, right? Obese women have poor quality eggs. Why? Because obesity produces inflammation all over the body, including the ovaries. Mm -hmm. And when you, you do ozone, which by the way, ozone is also shown to, to make women lose weight, it improves the, the egg quality. So women who have failed IVF cycles before due to poor egg quality, or they're above 40 and they really want to get the best out of their IVF, I recommend they do some sessions of ozone before they start the IVF cycle. How many do they need to do to be able to see an impact from that? Great question. Every session is 30 minutes, half an hour. It's done twice a week for three weeks. So around three weeks, I've noticed in my research that after the fourth session, I started to see some benefits. Wow. And I actually was supposed to present last March in Vancouver at an annual conference, it was canceled because of the COVID-19. I was, I was supposed to present this data. What we did briefly, we took patients who did two IVF cycles, cycle one and cycle two, and they did ozone for three weeks in between. Then we compared outcome to cycle one and cycle two. They got the similar number of eggs, but more eggs in cycle two, which is after the ozone therapy, made embryos. So this tells me that it actually didn't increase the egg number, it improved the egg quality by making more embryos. Does ozone therapy just mean like you're hyper oxygenating? Because like infrared therapy, people are all excited about because it, you know, might might stimulate cell renewal and, and cleansing and detoxing, et cetera. But like what is you you said you stick something in a vagina and you put something around them. And then I don't understand the rest. They're, okay. they're losing weight. Like, so, explain. I, okay. I don't so get I it. thought too much. Okay. No, so, no the perfect no, amount. No, just no. like more. I need more talking. So ozone, let's go back to the basics. Oxygen that we breathe is two molecules of oxygen. Right. Ozone have an extra one, third uh, oxygen. It's a very powerful oxygen. You're talking about... You know these oxygen hyperbariatric chambers yes, or whatever? Yes. Multiply this by 100, in my opinion. And again, I'm saying this because I like to exaggerate sometimes. It is, <laughs> it is very powerful oxygen that is going through your body. Remember, ozone, ozone therapy, I didn't create it. It's been used since World War I. You know what they used to do with the ozonated water? They used to sterilize the instrument between surgeries. They didn't have this infectant. It kills a lot of bacteria and viruses. Wow. Exactly. Corona? I didn't use the machine. <laughs> You're asking a good question, but yes, there are studies that kill Corona. Wow. The old Corona, this is a new, new version. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. But there are studies, Google now, after we finish, ozone kills Corona, and you see how many articles you're going to find. Plenty. Now, we didn't create this machine. 
This machine is used for a lot of diseases, eczema, psoriasis, because dermatologists think mm. about it. This eczema is inflammatory. I have patients who did the ozone to get pregnant and improve their air quality. I swear to you, I'm not exaggerating on this one. She said to me last summer, Dr. Murphy, I've never not had eczema flare-ups in any summer until now because of the ozone. She said, look at my skin. It's gone. And I've That's never wild. not had that. Swear. So, but also it's used also in oncology because it kills cancer cells. It's used for HIV. It's used directly, believe it or not, for ulcerative colitis. So, so much use for it. So I'm the first one who started it for fertility. And by the way, I didn't use it because I didn't discover it because I'm a genius. One patient told me. One patient came to me two years ago. I said, Dr. Murphy, why don't you bring ozone to, uh, machine to your office? I said, what does ozone therapy mean? So I Googled it. I did some literature search. There's plenty of studies on, on animal model that it improves uh, a reproduction in mice and, and cows and all that. So I contacted the company. We got one and I did studies, uh, research, and uh, patients love it. Is there any downside if you don't, if you're not, you know, advanced or you don't um, have low egg quality? Is there any downside to doing it? I don't know. I don't think so. But if you think about it, most patients who do it, they do it because they have failed or because they had poor outcome. Right. You know, so, but it's a good question. Well, it just feels like if it, if the, if it lowers inflammation throughout the whole body and you're seeing it in the, in the eczema flare-ups, et cetera, like we all are living in a highly polluted, highly toxic, heavy environment. We are all dealing with constant inflammation. It feels like if you, you know, if it was a widely available thing, people would do, would, Let's would probably bottle benefit it. from doing it. Don't tell anyone. The three of us here will bottle it. Get an at-home ozone kit. I know. But there are, there are ozone uh, kits you can buy on Amazon. What? Ozone, yes. Ozone chambers, yeah. You can buy them on Amazon. Uh, favorite thing for today. But, but the set, <laughs> you have something to shop for now. Uh, but the machine that we have is very powerful. Yes. And there's a many settings that you can buy on at home. But look, I mean, the reality also, I'm very careful with telling patients to do something if they don't need it and make them pay money for something they don't need. Of course, okay? of course. And I always tell patients, you don't, you don't need something. If you want to do it, sure, great, I'll make more money. But why? It doesn't make sense. And I'm very honest with them. It just seems like it could have fringe benefits, which is um, very, you know, untested un, un, uh, or unresearched benefits, which could be really interesting. Um, you're just paving the way. You're actually making me think, though, also about another question I had, which is you brought up like gender picking. What percentage of your clientele do you think comes to, to like they have three girls and they want a boy or they have three boys and they want a girl or, you know, whatever, like that kind of that kind of. I would probably say 5%. Oh, it's low. Yeah. low. But remember. When we do IVF, now we're testing a lot of embryos for Down syndrome before we put them back in. But with the report, there is the gender. So a lot People of patients are choosing. Are choosing. Well. choosing so really, I'm telling you 5%. Of the people who came said to me, I want a boy from the beginning. Right. But later on, gender selection might be 40%. I'm sure the majority of patients are choosing. Right. In Canada, they give you the report, but they don't reveal the gender. Hmm. Because you can't do it in Canada. I have patient, she's going to come send her embryos that are frozen to me so I can test them with the next non-invasive chromosome screen because we give the gender 
because she wants a specific gender. What's your thinking on that? Do you think that if you are harvesting your eggs, you should be allowed to choose which one to implant? Or you think you should only be allowed to choose embryo one, embryo two, embryo three, embryo four? Okay, so the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, which is the ASRM, they make guidelines for physicians, us to, and I follow their guidelines. I don't do anything that breaks their guidelines because I'm, I'm a physician who wants to follow the guidelines. That's what they said. They have ethics committee. And the ethics committee said, if you are doing gender selection for family balancing, it is totally ethical. Meaning, if you have three boys and you want to have a girl, it's totally fine. But to come, you have no children and say, I want to have a boy because I hate girls. <laughs> you can't do that. Interesting. You know what I mean? I mean, so, yeah. And also you have to be careful. Sometimes I'm in a situation where like, Someone has three boys and they want to make sure they have a fourth boy because they don't right. have a girl. Right. I have a problem with that, I have to tell you. Like, I just feel sometimes like, would you hate girls or something? Like, Well, what about this? If a woman comes to you who's already had children and isn't able to, either isn't able to conceive or like whatever's going on, do you, you I guess you do a whole battery of like hormonal exam. Do you, mm -hmm. is there a different way of treating them than someone who's never been pregnant or who has never carried a baby to term? No, it's the same thing. Oh, okay. It's the same treatment. Very cool. Actually, maybe half of our patient had kids before. Right, you said that in the last one. Yeah, at least half of them. What about surrogacy? Well, surrogacy is going to be legal in, in New York in February of 2021. Right wow. now, it's not, you can't do it, but they approved it. So that's actually very good news. Um, so as far as surrogacy, I have patients who are very active in their life and they travel a lot or they're athletes, they don't want to carry a baby. I have patients who are young, but they have medical problems. They don't want to carry a baby. So there is so many reasons why patients don't want to carry a baby, either medical or psychological. And mm -hmm. I respect that. Mm -hmm. I really respect that. Um, but we do that. We do that all the time too. Now we can't use surrogates that are from New York has to be outside New York through a company and stuff, but we assist the process, but we don't do it through like our practice itself. Now, another thing we want to talk about, I don't know if you want to talk about it today or not, it's the ovarian rejuvenation. Yes, yes we know very much, to that. very much. That's next on our list. Oh, so ovarian rejuvenation, the term is very confusing because really we're not, we probably are just helping the quality of the, remember how ozone works? by improving the egg quality. We have a lot of people who have very bad eye quality, but they have menopause, early menopause. 1% of women in the United States have menopause before the age of 40. Wow, wow. Exactly. But guess what? The thing is that women with menopause, even women above 50 years old, they still have at least 1,000 eggs in their ovaries. But these eggs are dormant, Hmm. They do not mature and ovulate. They just sit there. Now, researchers, including myself, we're looking as to how am I going to wake up these eggs in a postmenopausal woman in order to help her get pregnant, but not only to get pregnant. Menopause is horrible. Menopause has a lot of issues, hot flashes, increased heart disease, uh, Alzheimer's, everything increases after osteoporosis. So waking up those eggs make them to produce estrogen is going to actually help or delay menopause ultimately. Now, a group in Greece 
So that's the base, that, that's the background that there is around 1,000 eggs in their ovaries. Now, a group in Greece came up with the idea, okay, let me take a PRP from your arm. We take blood. Mm-hmm. We extract the platelets and the plasma, and then they inject them inside the ovaries. Now, PRP has been used for many years for joints, like um, Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. They do PRP for his right. knee. Any, all these athletes. PRP is done also for hair loss. Women and men who have hair loss, they take blood, extract PRP, put it, boom, they grow hair. So now this group in Greece started to inject them in patients' ovaries who have menopause. I thought they were crazy in the beginning. I'm like, what is these people doing? But then they reported a lot of pregnancies and women who went through menopause. Hmm. The PRP seems to wake up some of those eggs that are dormant inside the ovaries to wake them up, ovulate or collect them or whatever, do IVF. So that's how ovarian rejuvenation work with injecting the PRP. I didn't believe in it right away. And I have patients five years ago coming to me say, Dr. Murray, I don't want to fly to Greece. I want to do it here. And I said, no, I don't, I still not convinced. I'm a very evidence-based guy. You have to convince me with science before I do something. So then more and more studies in 2018, 2019 started to be published uh, showing how PRP works. And not only it improves women clinically to get pregnant, but I have scientists who they took women who are having their ovaries removed okay, for some certain reason, fibroid or hysterectomy, whatever. They took follicles from their ovaries, put them in a dish, added PRP, and another dish, they put follicles without the PRP. And they showed on the microscope how PRP makes the follicles much grower. Follicle, by the way, is where the egg lives. It's like mm-hmm. the house of the egg. Much healthier, much bigger and soft and happier. So that convinced me more that, you know, now there is basic science studies and clinical research showing that PRP ovarian rejuvenation works. And I started to do it in September, 2019. So we've done hundreds and hundreds of cases. And I have a patient, 47 year old, from Tennessee, she had menopause, menopause. She had her last period six months before she saw me. I did PRP on her. She went to Tennessee. Two weeks after that, had sex, and now she's six months pregnant. So she didn't have another period wow. since? Wow. She had a period. Wow. <gasps> she just got pregnant. So look, I'm, I'm telling you happy stories, but also there are other people who did it who are much younger than her that didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. So I want to be very objective. Right. So it does do something. And I think we are still working to fine tune the technology. But I have to tell you, we do every day in my office, maybe two or three uh, PRP injection in the ovaries. I mean, I hear only little bits of what menopause is like, but I really don't know that much about it. Are there treatments for people who are done having babies, but don't want to go through this really difficult menopause journey? Are there ways to to support your system while you go through it or to ease your way through it? I mean, is this ovarian rejuvenation, is it used just for seeking pregnancy or can it be used for just not feeling really bad all the time? I love this question. Two things this question has. One, awareness about menopause and talking about it. Yeah. Which, by the way, I just had this article in Washington Post. They interviewed me about the menopause. We'll link to this, guys, okay? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's why everyone needs to know more about menopause, especially now. So let's go back when you were in school. They, your boy and girls, now you're going through puberty, I don't know, 10th grade or whatever. Right. They separate boys and girls and they start to talk to them about puberty and their period, what girls and how to change period. But the girls don't tell the boys about it. But also schools don't tell girls that, you know what, the period's going to end up, finish one day, you're going to go through menopause. Right. And no one tells them. And their mom don't tell them I went through menopause because right. they feel embarrassed to talk about their symptoms and their hot flashes. I can remember my mom when she was having hot flashes. After when I was in medical school, I knew about hot flashes. And now it made sense to me why my mom was always cranky and putting the fan in the kitchen and yelling at my father, seriously. <laughs> no one told me about what menopausal symptom is. So I think there is no awareness about menopause. There's more awareness about puberty and period and all that stuff, number one. So I really think we need to increase awareness about menopause. We need to talk more about it. We need to tell our children, boys and girls, about menopause. We need to tell our husbands about menopause for women because if you're going through menopause and your husband doesn't know that it comes with hot flashes and he's coming to hug you at night and you push him away, he's going to think you don't love him or cheating on him. But no, you're having a hot flash from your menopause. So I think education for your partner and your children so they would understand, okay, mommy's going through menopause. She might do this and do that. I think it's good for the relationship. But why now and why Washington Post interviewed me about that is because couples are more together during the COVID-19 pandemic mm -hmm. and they're quarantining them so they're spending more time so now the men and the children are seeing more the mommy who's going through menopause having these symptoms and if they don't understand it's causing a lot of tension between them and i can tell you i know a lot of couples including my friends they went through a tough time they were gonna divorce in the pandemic meanwhile mm -hmm. like the relationship was good so so and by the way the pandemic by itself is giving us anxiety and depression and Hot flash. I get hot flash. So I'm not menopausal. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really, it's stressful. Period. It's stressful. So add this to the menopausal symptoms. It's double hit and really it's bad for those women. Yeah. And that's why we really need to talk more about it. Now, back to your question about menopause and PRP. I have a patient who is a doctor who came to me to do PRP for her ovaries because she has bad hot flashes. Not because, in addition, she wanna have baby. She's 32 years old and she had early menopause because she got chemotherapy because her lupus is very, very bad. Mm -hmm. We did PRP, all her menopausal symptoms are gone. Wow. She's now tracking, uh, you know, I gave her a table. We're gonna publish this paper, the reason why I'm mentioning it. Mm -hmm. You will see it published in a couple of weeks. She's actually an author on it because she's a doctor. She's a primary care doctor. That's amazing. So I said to her, you know what? Let's publish this together. Do you mind? If I, she said, I would love to. It is, I want to increase awareness about it. So now what I did, what we did, she got, you know, this 10 question about menopausal symptom, hot flashes, irritability, you know, whatever, whatever. And um, she's filling one every week. So far after the PRP, it's been around two weeks. She never had any of the hot flashes so far. So we're, we're waiting. So back to your question is, if you go online and put PRP or platelet-rich plasma in the ovaries and menopausal symptoms, you will find no articles. Zero. I've done that. 
in the medical uh, literature, there is zero articles. Mm. So this case, I think, will be the first one. And I really think it will increase awareness because a lot of people can take hormone replacement therapy. Right. She can take hormone replacement therapy. She has bad lupus and she has a kidney problem. If she takes birth control pills, she'll have blood clots and a lot of issues, right? There's a lot of people, they, they, they can't take hormone replacement therapy because they don't want to. Or they're morbidly obese and they're smokers. Or they have a heart disease and diabetes or whatever. So what I'm trying to do is this is a natural way. It's your own blood that we are taking, concentrating, taking molecules from that and injecting them inside your ovary at a high concentration. And it's helping, you know, the symptoms by releasing hormones and all that stuff and waking up some of the eggs. So it's double hit. It helps fertility in those menopausal women. And I think, and I hope to God, it will help with their hot flashes and other symptoms. But you would naturally still go through menopause anyway. I mean, this wouldn't be to stop. Like eventually... But is there an idea of like sort of easing yourself into it so it's not as stressful and and strong? Or is this something that people are going to look for like the fountain of youth and be like, I'm just always going to keep this going? Yeah, great question. Please don't come to me because you want to have more five five more kids for the PRP. <laughs> I, I refuse to inject PRP in your ovary. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm still fertile uh, enough uh, that I keep on getting <laughs> pregnant, so we're good. <laughs> no, listen, all jokes aside, I have a few patients who came to me they don't want to transition through menopause. Yeah. And I'm doing it for them. But it's hard for me to know if the PRP is delaying their menopause because how can I compare her to what? Right. Unless I have twin sisters, right, mm. who have exactly the same biology. I do one PRP and the other one I don't do PRP and see which one if I'm delaying menopause. Because if both of you, you come to me and say, I am now 50 years old. I want to delay my menopause. If I do PRP on you and PRP on, uh, not on PRP on the other person, it's your different bodies. I can't compare apples to oranges. Right. So that's why I would never know the answer, but I have patients who are doing one every three months PRP injection inside their ovaries, hoping to delay their uh, menopause. I don't want to delay it. I I just don't. It sounds like it's a very vicious thing. Why do women have to go through this? <laughs> Haven't we gone through enough? Haven't we done this? Exactly. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess every transition is for a purpose. You are meant to shed whatever skin to get to the next phase. So, there, there, you know, nothing in biology is by accident. And I, that's why I'm so confused by the appendix. Like, why are you, you know, you vestigial organs are really strange to me. Exactly. Um, exactly. But, which is why a thousand eggs is also confusing to me because no woman's going to be alive for a thousand months. Like, why would you have so many eggs in your backup arsenal? You're absolutely right. We don't know why these thousand eggs are dormant. Is it, yeah. maybe they're, maybe the ovaries are trying to save some of it and doesn't want to let it go. Is it the environment in this ovary is old now and that's why they're not getting enough food or oxygen to grow? Mm-hmm. I think this is the most logical explanation for me. Um, so it is, it, we still don't know. So uh, Dr. Mary, it is unbelievable to me that we are now out of our second hour of talk together. Already? I, I, know, I know, literally. At least we got through the questions from the first interview this time. I think this has to be a weekly episode. I agree. Uh, I agree. But we aren't going to let you go until you give us your new favorite thing. Chocolate. Ah, yes. Now we know. I'd rather live on chocolate and then stop eating food. I'm not joking. (laughs) My fiance, she's like, you need to stop eating chocolate. Like, uh, you know, because now I gain like 10 pounds in the pandemic. But I can't. 
I'm just so obsessed good. with chocolate. It's yeah. so good. But it has to be really good or I cannot put it in my mouth. That's my rule of thumb too. Obviously. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much. We Thank love you. chatting with you. Thank you, Dr. Mary. Thank you guys so much for having me. Really fun. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Mom, bye. And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. So um, there was a point in time on this podcast where I feel like Ilari and I traded back and forth every other week offering you a healthy deodorant that we were loving. And and I feel like enough time has passed and it's a hot, sweaty summer and I have a new one that I love. So I'm going to share with you my new favorite healthy deodorant. Um, It's called Roar Remedy. It's Australian Bush Medicines, Australian wildflower deodorant. And I have to tell you, it's a roller. So it's, um, that is the only downside. I find a roller deodorant, you never I really know. I love rollers. I love them too. I love the application. I love that it's, there's no residue. There's no like weird white powdery looking thing. Yeah. Nothing like that. The smell is incredible and really clean. Um, not like something cloying that's going to stick in your nose or on your clothes or anything like that. I'm obsessed with the whole thing. But the rollerball, I can't really tell when it runs out. That's the, it's a dark mm. glass container. So you can't tell. Whatever. The point okay. is you'll use it till it runs dry because it's so good. I, you know, I have to say, I've tried so many and some kind of are fine for like a month or two and then they start irritating your skin. I don't know if you ever found that to be true or yes. um, or they discolor shirts or they or they the smell is so strong that like you can't smell anything else. Or they're this, so thick when they come out that it like clogs your pores. Totally. Or you're supposed to like rub it on with your finger, which is like such a bizarre, impractical thing for the like the frequent, you know, application process. Um, so in any case, I'm totally loving this product that I found over quarantine and wanted to share it with you guys. Love that. All right. Mine is another baby thing. Ha, surprise, because that's what I'm doing. I don't know if you guys, and this is works for like not just newborns too. So finnandemma.com. I love them because I'm, this baby is going to be like all namaste. You know, I have like different things. My, this one, I'm like, everything is organic. Everything looks very um, like ethereal and white. We're keeping it gender neutral. We're like doing that whole kind of thing. So I really like Finn and Emma. I've, I've, they have like everything from like clothes to like really sweet little toys and everything. And I've just really enjoyed like playing Namaste baby. You know, once you have so many babies, you want to like kind of keep it fresh every single time. And then for some reason, I, I just got rid of all my other, I always do hand-me-downs and I got rid of like all my infant things. Right. Which was really nice because I love giving and it makes me feel like really good. But then I'm like, oh, I need to start fresh and it's in the middle of COVID. So anyway, this this is going to be my namaste baby and finnandemma.com. Super, super cool. Very fun. All right, guys, that's it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed another great conversation with Dr. Mary. Um, I'm sure he'll be back for more. There's there's always just so many new things to learn from him. Um, you guys know the deal. Please, if you enjoyed the episode, go ahead, leave us a five-star rating. Give us your comments. Give us a little review. It really helps us out and helps more people like us, like you, find their way to this mom brain community and lend their brains to giving us all one big, happy, sort of same experience. <laughs> Semi-same. Semi-same. Follow us on Instagram and everywhere else because we're invading everywhere because we love you all and we want our tribe to grow. Email us mombrainpod at gmail.com and we'll see you guys next week. Bye guys. This is Mombrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mombrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.